listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. We're dealing with this subject of why most Christians never advance in life. Maybe you've, maybe you've seen this happen where uh, you get back to maybe the place you grew up or you go back somewhere you've been before where you have friends and you see people that you haven't seen in a long time and you're like, man, it seems like they're still in the same place, doing the same thing, no increase, nothing new. It's like they're on, they're on cruise control. And um, that's frustrating. You're not called to stay in the same place. You're not called to be stagnant. You're not called to just coast through life. You are called to increase. It's actually your inheritance, your portion to live a life of increase. The Bible says the path of the just is a shining light that shines brighter and brighter until what? The perfect day. Let me read it to you from the ESV. The Bible says in the English Standard Version, But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. Good morning, Dylan. So you know what, you know what I mean by that? Uh, and what the Bible means by that, the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. So what happens? You go from the nighttime until, uh, sunrise, the dawn breaks and you see as the Uh, sun is coming up over the horizon. It starts with a very little bit of light. And then as, of course, as, as it moves forward, bright, bright until full daytime has hit. And the scripture here, the writer of Proverbs is telling us that that is how the path of the righteous should be. It should get from brighter to brighter, to brighter, to brighter, never ending increase in the life of a believer. And I want you to put it in the comments first and foremost today I am anointed to increase. I am anointed to increase. Don't doubt it. You are. Good morning, Mason. Let me take you to uh, Psalm 1, another one of our favorite passages. Psalm 1. Now listen to this very carefully. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that bears fruit or yields fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. And in all that he does, he prospers. Glory to God. And in all that he does, he prospers. You're anointed to increase. Morning, James. And so I want you to see these two verses. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter until the full day. That's your story. That's your story. You'll be like a tree planted by streams of water that'll bear fruit in its season. Leaves will never wither. And in all that you do, you'll prosper. You see that. So the key here is you and every believer, their inheritance, their portion is to increase steadily throughout their entire life. That should be your story as well. And if there's not steady increase throughout your life, you have to look inside and say introspectively, what's going on that I'm not seeing the increase that God called me to have? What is going on? that I'm not seeing the increase that God has called me to have. It's part of your inheritance. You know, in the Bible study made simple uh, group right now, which by the way, we're opening back up. I believe we're going to open it up on October the 31st. I believe it's going to be the first day that the course opens. You can, you can hit that and show them. If you want to sign up for the wait list, bible.miracleword.com is the link. And you definitely want to be involved in this. We're right now in the middle of a deep dive on the study of Galatians. 
And one thing we've been talking about and are getting ready to talk about in the upcoming week is the fact that because we are sons of God, we have inheritance. Even though we've been adopted into the family, we have the right of full inheritance in the body of Christ. Part of our inheritance, part of our covenant right is to increase steadily until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's part of our covenant right. Okay, so why is it then we have Christians that are not advancing? What's going on? What are some things that are keeping Christians from advancing in life? Keeping Christians from seeing increase in their life, in their purpose, in their calling. Amen. So let's figure out what it is. Morning, Lena. Number one, and this is foundational. There are people who don't stay free from sin. So number one is a lack of holiness, a lack of holy living. And I want to explain this to you because this is massive. Do you realize the the baseline key to the blessings of heaven is holy living? That is a blessing that releases a blessing that nothing can stop. Nothing can stop it. I've read you these passages of scripture. Number one thing that keeps people back from advancing in life and seeing that supernatural promotion is a lack of holy living, lack of holiness. The Bible says in Psalm 84, 11, for the Lord our God is a sun and shield, and he bestows favor and honor, and he will not withhold any good thing from those that walk uprightly. He will not withhold any good thing from who? Those that walk uprightly kick sin out of your life. You have mastery over sin through salvation. Don't fall back into it. And so uh, the Bible says in Job 36, 11, if they will just listen and obey, they will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. That's Job 36, 11. So Psalm 84, 11, and Job 36, 11, they will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Isaiah 1, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat what? The good of the land. If you're willing and and obedient, then you will eat the good of the land. Look at Deuteronomy 28 and verse one. If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. If you obey the voice of the Lord, your God, you'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed when you come in, blessed when you go out, I'll open the heavens, pour out rain. And it's, I mean, every blessing of those 14 verses is predicated upon. Are you obedient to the instruction? Are you obedient to the instruction? That's all holiness is. All holiness is, is obedience to the instruction. So the first reason that many Christians never advance in their purpose, they're calling their life is because they refuse to live a life of holiness. They refuse to live a life of holiness. But if you will, remember something. Christ in heaven holds the key of David and he opens doors that no man can shut and he shuts doors that no man can open. Hallelujah. And the Bible is very clear. If you miss those verses, once again, Psalm 84, 11, he will not withhold any good thing from those that walk uprightly Job 36, 11, if they'll only listen and obey and serve me, they'll spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Isaiah 1, 19, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Deuteronomy 28, 1. If you'll obey all the commandments that I give you this day, then guess what God will do? Set you on high 
above all the nations of the earth. You'll lend to many nations. You'll not borrow. You'll be the head, not the tail. You say, well, that's only for Israel. Really? Because now that I'm a Christian, I've become Abraham's seed and an heir according to the promise. An heir according to the promise. So don't tell me that what God did for Old Testament followers of his, of his commandments will be greater than what God does for his New Testament obedient followers of his commandments. Don't tell me that the old covenant is better and more efficacious and more prosperous than the new covenant. When Hebrews tells us that we have a better covenant that is established upon better promises. The Isaiah verse is Isaiah 1, 19. Isaiah chapter one and verse 19. We've got a better covenant that's established upon better promises. Does that include, and, and is the reason for that heaven? Yes, it, part of it is the new creation reality. We have the ability to be in the body of Christ without question. None of the Old Testament saints had that ability. They could not be a part of the body of Christ. They could not be redeemed. They could not be saved. They could not have their sins removed from them as far as the East is from the West. So yes, that is part of the promise that was given to Abraham, that all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. But don't forget, God is not going to give us worse outcome in the New Testament than they had in the old. Do you think God is going to do better things for his Old Testament people than he will for his New Testament people? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You get all of the blessings of the old with new blessings in the new. New blessings in the new. And so understand this, Holiness opens the door to God's hand of blessing. Holiness opens the door to God's hand of blessing. That's number one. The number one reason Christians don't advance a lack of holiness. Now, number two. Um, the number two thing that really holds Christians back, I see this a lot. I mean a lot. Is that they don't hear God's plan or direction or leading. They don't discover, I should say is a better word. They don't discover God's plan, his direction, his leading for their life. And they're held back because they're not in the will of God. They're outside of God's will. I don't believe in multiple wills of God like some preachers teach. Well, you've got the the perfect will, and then there's the good will, and then there's the permissive will. And that, that's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. In fact, when you read that, in fact, let's go read it so I can show you what I'm talking about. Romans chapter 12. The Bible's not talking about the multiple wills that God has for your life. Well, you know, I'm not in his perfect will, but I, I'm, in a, I'm in a will that he's permitting me to be in. No, that's not, God's not double-minded. God's not schizophrenic. God is not uh, unstable in all his ways. And the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So if God had multiple plans for your life, then God is double-minded. God has a singular plan for your life. Look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Verse two, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. All three adjectives describe one will, that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. All of three, all three of those defining the will of God. His will is good. His will is acceptable and his will is perfect. All three of those, they're not three different wills. Well, I haven't got to his perfect will yet, but I'm in the acceptable will. I'm not in the acceptable yet, but I'm in the good will. No, I've heard preachers preach whole messages on the perfect versus the permissive will of God. Well, he got out of God's perfect will and got over into his permissive will. There's no such thing as his permissive will. You either are obeying what the Lord has as a direction and a plan for your life, or you're not. You're either in it or you're out of it. You're either, you've either discovered it and are obeying it and following it, or you've not discovered it and you're not in it. And that's a mistake because God has a plan 
for every believer's life. I don't want to be outside of his plan. I want to be in his plan. And so most Christians that don't advance, one of the reasons they don't is because they've never discovered God's plan for their life. They've never discovered direction or leading from God. So how do you get past that? How do you ensure that that doesn't happen to you? The way that you, it's not that God's trying to hide his plan from, for your life from you. God's not trying to, to stump you and say like, I'm not going to show you until you get, no, God wants you to know his will. God wants you to know his plan. God wants to give you direction. You realize that's the whole reason he gave us the Holy Spirit. That's the whole reason he gave us the Holy Spirit that would, that he would lead us and guide us into all truth. He would lead us and guide us into all truth. And so how do you get past that to the place where uh, you hear God's plan, discover it, and are able to follow the leading in the direction? Well, it's through three things, I believe. Number one, prayer. Number two, fasting. And number three, meditation. I'm going to give you those three things to get past this uh, hindrance, this roadblock. Number one, prayer. Number two, fasting. Number three, meditation on God's word. So, so let me break those down. When you pray, he wants to answer you when you pray. He wants to answer you when you pray. God's desire is to answer your prayers. His desire is to show you things. His desire is to lead you. You know, one of the reasons most people are not led is because they don't ever inquire of the Holy Spirit. They don't ever, you know, pray for an extended period of time and say, Lord, show me what your plan is. What would you have me to do? What would you have me to do? Because when you pray, notice in the gospel of John, Jesus actually says, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Ask and you shall receive that you're, so he wants you to receive answers to prayer so that you'll be full of joy. And so one of the reasons people don't get answers or direction, they don't pray about it. You'd be surprised how many Christians make decisions in their life, make, I mean, life changing decisions to move somewhere, to take a new job, to marry a person, and they don't ever pray about it. You'd be blown away by how many, and I'm talking spirit filled Christians that should know better. They'll just make decisions for their life without ever praying about it. And they don't ask the Lord and, and God doesn't give them any direction. Not because he doesn't want to. They didn't ask him. They didn't ask him. And so understand something. Uh, that's John chapter 14, uh, Maddie, that God wants to answer our prayers. It's the gospel of John chapter 14. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Hallelujah. He wants to answer those prayers. He wants to answer your prayers. And so people don't hear the instruction. They don't hear the call. You know, they'll make, people just make up their own plan for their life and do whatever they want. And the problem with that is that once you decide your own plan, once you make up your own decisions and say, well, this is what I'm going to do now, God get on it. The, the problem is that our minds are finite, but his mind and his wisdom is infinite. And by the way, if you're just jumping on, please take a minute to share this broadcast. I want to see people advance in their Christian life. I want to get this word into their spirit. And so when you make up your own plan, when you have your own decisions about what you're going to do with your life, it's based on your own finite wisdom rather than what God has already planned for you. I don't teach my kids that when you grow up, you can be anything you want to be. Spirit-filled Christians shouldn't talk like that. So when you grow up, you can be anything you want. No, you can't be anything you want to be. You have to be what God called you to be. You have to be what God called you to be. He has a plan for every life. He has a plan for every person. You got to be what he's called you to be. And when you do that, guess what? You get access to his resources, his strength, his wisdom, his open doors. I mean, it's, it all comes from him. He said in Isaiah... 55, uh, verse number eight and nine. He said, uh, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways 
and my thoughts than your thoughts, says the Lord. You see that? Yeah, and then people, and then they go, th- exactly, Ava. And then they go through life saying it's okay to struggle. And well, then they blame God. Well, God obviously had other plans. No, you never consulted him about his plans. It's not that God had other plans. You never consulted him about his plans. That's right, Bill. A chicken can't tell God he wants to be an eagle. God created him to be a chicken. God created an eagle to be an eagle and a lion to be a lion. Amen. And so I want you to, I want you to see this. So when people don't ask God for his instruction or his direction, see, the reason they're not hearing it is they're not praying and asking him. And many times they're not fasting. See, what's the point of fasting? The barrier, the barrier that hinders you in the, in the spiritual realm uh, is the flesh nature. I want you to understand this plainly. Paul had to teach this to the Galatians. He had to teach this principle to the Galatians. And he said to them in Galatians chapter five, let me, let me take you there and read to you what he said. Galatians chapter five, verses 16 and 17. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. What, what's opposed? The desires of the spirit and the desires of the flesh. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. So recognize right off the bat that your flesh nature, which will be with you until your body is glorified by God, either, either in the coming of Christ or when, you know, if you're dead and in the ground, when the dead in Christ get out of their graves and their bodies are renewed, or when the rapture takes place and Christ comes and you're caught up to meet him in the air. But until then, you'll have a flesh nature. You have a physical body. And that flesh nature is opposed to the spiritual nature. Does not want to do. Paul knew that. Even Paul, you know, considered maybe the the greatest apostle in the Bible, said personally, my body's working against me. My flesh nature is working against me against me. This is Galatians chapter five, verses 16 and 17. Galatians five, verses 16 and 17. But Paul, Paul said it. Paul said, do you realize my flesh nature is working against me? Daily, it's working against me. It's trying to stop me from doing what I'm called to do. It's trying to stop me from pleasing God. And he said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27. So what did he say? I put my body under on a daily basis so that after having preached to other people, I myself will not be disqualified. Paul understood it. My flesh nature is fighting against me. It's fighting against me. And I have to put it under. That's 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 27. I have to put it under. Otherwise, it will oppose me and I will not fulfill the desires of the Spirit. Right? I will not fulfill the desires of the Spirit. So what do you have to do? Take authority over your flesh. What is one of the ways to do that? By fasting and prayer. Weaken that flesh. That's part of what fasting does. If you've not read my book on the complete guide to biblical fasting, you need to get it. It's on Amazon. It's on Kindle. You can get it from our website. Get get it. It'll help you. A complete guide to biblical fasting. Fasting, one of the things it does is weakens your flesh nature and makes your spirit. It's not that your spirit gets stronger. It's that that your spirit has more ability to take control because you've weakened your flesh nature. Most people are not led by their spirit, man. Most people get into the flesh because they never curb their flesh. They never take authority over their flesh, which God has given you the ability to do through one of the fruit of the spirit called self-control. That's a, that's an empowerment from the Holy ghost. It's an empowerment. So notice this. The second reason that most people never advance in life as a Christian is because they don't hear God's plan because they're not praying. They're not fasting 
This is why we lead you at the beginning of every year in a 21 day fast. It's because we're getting ourselves prepared for this new year that God has uh, prepared for us and the plans that he has for us. So we lead you in 21 days of fasting and prayer to go after God, to hear his voice, to get fresh instruction and to be empowered to do what he's called us to do. So prayer and fasting, but also meditation on the word of God. I want to meditate not only on God's word, but one of the things that people, especially in 2022, let me give you a pro tip here. Everything in our generation is vying for our time. Everything, social media, uh, streaming services, phone calls, emails, work, everything, friends, entertainment, everything vying for our time. So free time is kind of like a thing of the past. We don't live life in a vacuum. Something's always sucking our time from us. And this area of meditation, this is something that, you know, anytime you say it, people think of like, oh, that's new age. No, no, no. God designed meditation. That's a scriptural principle. Scriptural principle. He said that all the way back to uh, Joshua in Joshua chapter one. But you know, prayer is not a monologue. Prayer's a dialogue. And I'm surprised at how many people will take time to pray, but they don't give God time in their prayer time to speak. (laughs) Prayer's not just you talking to God. It's God, which is more important, talking back to you. That is actually the most important part of prayer. When God speaks back to your spirit. And so I'm surprised by how many people they'll pray, but they don't leave room or time for God to speak to them. There's times where we need to just be still and listen for his voice, meditate on his word. We don't need to be talking, watching a show on our phone. It's not that God can't speak to us during those times, but we need to take time and say, God, now I've spoken to you. Now, would you please speak to me? And what do you do? If you're in a conversation with someone, you don't talk the entire time. If you want them to actually contribute to the conversation, there's got to be times when you don't speak and they do speak. And so in prayer, I'm surprised with how many people speak the whole time. They speak the whole time and never give God a moment to speak. That's part of meditation. I'm done speaking. Now I want to meditate on your goodness, your mercy, your word, your holiness, your righteousness, and listen as you speak back to my spirit. Amen. And so those three things will help you go past this second hindrance of not discovering God's plan and purpose for your life. That'll help you. Number three, the third area that keeps Christians from moving forward in their, in their life is fear and unbelief. And this is a lot of people, man. A lot of people, they may have heard God's plan. They may have discovered his purpose for their life, but they're afraid to step out. They have doubt and unbelief about stepping out to do what God's called them to do. They have doubt and unbelief about stepping out. Afraid. They're afraid to activate their purpose. What if I go out and do it and I fail? What if I do it and I fail? What if I, what if I mess up? What if it doesn't work out? That's doubt. That's unbelief. That's fear. And God, yes, insecurity, Gina, falls into this category. And God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. That's what God's given us power, love, and a sound mind. Bill said, what if questions causes fear? Well, the reason people question, and I have this written here in my notes, two things that will, uh, one thing that destroys doubt and unbelief, and that is in taking the, the, the preached or taught word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So I fill myself with faith building, teaching, and preaching. I want to listen to those who have faith preach to me to the point when I'm done listening to the word being preached and taught, I feel like there's nothing I can't do through the power of the Holy Ghost. And I know that that that's true, but your faith needs to be built. 
Faith destroys. As, as faith is built, doubt and unbelief have to run out the back door. But you, let me give you another thing, uh, Bill, and those that are listening, is, is improper voices. People listen to improper voices. What do you mean by they, They're getting their advice from the wrong people. I don't need people around me that when God calls me to do something, I come and say, hey, um, uh, you know, I, I really feel the anointing on this. God's getting ready to do it. And people come up. You got those voices that are like, well, brother, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if really this, that works in this generation anymore. Well, it's not really the time. You know, God gave me this business idea. I'm going to go launch this business. Well, brother, I don't know. The economy's not quite right. And I just don't. And there's people that no matter what you tell them that God has told you to do with your life, I feel to go to Bible school and become a preacher. I, I, I feel, I feel to go into the ministry. Well, I don't know, brother, you, you need to really, how are you going to make a living? What if preaching doesn't work? I mean, I had my counselor in high school tell me that. She was mad at me because I, I didn't put in multiple applications to multiple universities. I put in one to where I was going to go to Bible school. She was horrified. Ted, you only have one application into one college. I said, yes. She said, well, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to be a preacher. She's like, but what if nobody likes your preaching? You have nothing to fall back on. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess I'm pretty much screwed at that point. But she, you know, she, they don't understand. But there's people that tell you it's not going to work. It's not going to work. I don't need voices of doubt and unbelief in my life. I need voices of faith. I need people that are connected to me. I don't mean yes, men. I mean, people that have faith. They'll say, yeah, I'm standing with you. I believe if God told you to do it, he's going to bring it to pass. If he spoke it, he's going to do it. He will bring it to pass. I don't need doubt voices around me. I'm not listening to improper voices. And I'll tell you another thing. I'll tell you another thing about it is that I don't need everybody's opinion, right? You don't need everybody's opinion. Stop running what God called you to do by everybody. Whose mistake was that? Joseph's mistake. (laughs) That was Joseph's mistake. That was Joseph's mistake. Hey, guess what? I just had a dream that all of you, my brothers and my dad, you'll all be bowing down in front of me. Like what? I don't think so. And that's when they tried to murder him. You don't need everybody's opinion and you don't need to run your calling by everybody. I don't need everybody's approval of what I'm called to do. I'm just going to go do it. People can approve or disapprove, but if God told me to do it, I'm going to do it. I don't need your opinion or your approval. Now, Hey, I'm happy if you're for it. I'm happy if you support it. God bless you. And thank you. But whether or not someone else approves and supports is not going to make or break me because I'm not run by men. I don't have my, uh, my cues are not given to me by human beings. They're given to me by God, the Holy ghost. So if the Lord called you to do something now, a human being can confirm your calling. You might have a pastor, a minister or a Holy ghost friend confirm it, but God's the one that speaks to you. The Holy ghost speaks to you and don't allow yourself to be overtaken by fear. Don't allow yourself to be taken over by unbelief and doubt. So I don't know if I step out. I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if it's going to come to pass. Don't allow those thoughts. Bible says, take every thought captive and make it obey Jesus Christ. Take every thought captive and make it obey Jesus Christ. There's people that ask me to pray for them in, in revivals at the altar. Hey brother, would you pray for me? Sure. What can I pray for? Well, I, I, I believe the Lord called me to do ministry for him, you know, years ago. And I'm just believing for those doors to open. Oh, really? How long ago has it been? He called me about 18 years ago, 18 years. So why have you not done one thing yet? Why have you not stepped out? Why have you not done one thing for 18 years? You think God's still waiting on someone who has refused to step out in their calling and their purpose for 18 years? You're coming up on two decades of disobedience. Two decades of disobedience because of doubt and unbelief. I'm just believing God that he'll do. Why aren't you doing anything? Why aren't you doing anything? You see what I mean? So fear and unbelief will keep you from accomplishing what God's called you to do and moving forward. There might be people, they know what they're called to do and they still don't do it. 
There's people, and this is one of the greatest compliments that I've ever received. And I think one of the people that gave me this compliment is on the broadcast today, me and my wife. And they, they, they came to us and they said, man, you guys move so quickly. It's like God gives you an idea or direction and you just, you don't wait on anybody. You just do it. You just go out and do it immediately. Yes, that's the point. And that, when I received that comment, that was one of, to me, the greatest compliments that I could have received because that's how we should be as believers. If God says it, we go after it. We do it. We do it. We go after it. We don't delay. We're not in doubt. We're not in unbelief. We're not in fear. We go after it. We go after it. That's, that's who we are. We run. We run. Hallelujah. I want you to put it in the comments. The victory tribe runs. We're not uh, skipping. We're not uh, walking quickly. You know, we're not power walking. We are running. We're called to run our race. We don't walk our race. We don't saunter our race. We're not crawling. We're not barely getting. The victory tribe runs. We run our race. We're called to move quickly. Hallelujah. That's the part of being led by the Spirit, Ann. She said, how do you know if the idea is from God? When you pray and you get those ideas in prayer, times of inspiration from the Holy Ghost. You run. You don't crawl. You run the race. Love you, Zach. You run the race. Don't let fear, doubt, and unbelief stop you from what God's called you to do. Amen. That's number three. Reason people don't move forward. People don't advance in life. Let me give you number four. Number four is this. Improper focus. So this, let me, let me explain this or break this one down. I wrote a book called Further Faster. It's a book about impartation, about how God uses other people to impart to you, to show you the way. There's already people that are doing what you're called to do that are far out ahead of you. That's who you set your eyes upon. Those are the people that, it's like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. He gave them an earthly example to live. I'm your earthly example, Paul said. Follow my life. In another passage, you know what he said? I'm sending Timothy to you who will teach you how to live like I live. That's specifically what he said to the church. Timothy's coming and he's going to teach you how to live like I live. That's discipleship. That's discipleship. And one of the reasons people don't move forward, improper focus. They're looking at the wrong examples. They're basing it. You know what people do? And, and you know, the Bible says, when you compare yourselves among yourselves, you're unwise, but that's talking about a very specific type of comparison. There are two types of comparison. One of them's good actually, or if it wasn't, Paul could have never said, follow me as I follow Christ. He could have never said, Timothy's coming to teach you how to live like I live. Because in order to follow Paul or emulate his lifestyle, you'd have to compare your lifestyle to Paul's lifestyle. It's like a mirror. Look at what I'm doing and you do it too. Look at what I'm doing and you do it too. And when Paul was saying that, he was saying, compare your life to mine and then match your life or sink your life up to mine. And that takes comparison. That's a good type of comparison, comparing forward. I refer to it as comparing forward versus comparing back. The Pharisees, are the ones who compared backwards. Thank God I'm not like these filthy sinners. What are they doing? Comparing themselves to people who do less than them. That's the comfortable part of comparison for your flesh. Always looking behind you and saying, well, at least I'm not like them. At least I'm not as slow as they are. At least I'm not dragging like them. Instead of comparing forward and saying, man, look at what so-and-so's doing. They're, they're doing the same thing I'm called to do. I need to do it like they're doing. I need to go after it like they are. I need to take some cues from them and find out what they did. That's comparing forward to those that are far ahead of you in the same lane that you're called to be in. I know what I am. I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I look at ministers that are in the same vein, doing what I'm called to do that are ahead of me. 
and saying, what are they doing that I'm not doing? How can I adjust to do? And it doesn't mean I have to copy their calling or copy their ministry, but what it does mean is I may want to copy their discipline, their dedication. I may want to copy their diligence, right? The baseline things. I may want to copy their prayer life. I may want to copy their fasting life. I want to make, I may want to copy their study life because they didn't get there by accident. God lifts people up on purpose and because they have met his requirements. So I don't compare backwards. I compare forwards. And one of the reasons people never advance is because they have improper focus. They're always looking behind them and that causes you to coast. Well, I'm doing much better than so-and-so. I guess I'm doing all right. I don't need to really push. And the problem is your circle's too small. Circle's too small. You have the wrong vision of who you're looking at. I'm not looking at people that are doing less than me and saying, well, I must be doing good. I can take it easy now. No, I'm looking at people that are far ahead of me, far ahead of me and saying, what are they doing? How are they doing what they're doing? I want to get in on that wisdom. That's what impartation is. One of the types of impartation is imparted wisdom, imparted wisdom. Let me show you that quickly from the book of Deuteronomy imparted wisdom. I love this. Listen to Deuteronomy 34, nine, Deuteronomy 34, nine. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. Notice how the spirit of wisdom came on Joshua. Moses laid his hands on him. So one of the types of impartation is imparted wisdom and we need it. We need it. We need it. So improper focus, improper focus is looking at the wrong people for the wrong things. I refuse. I refuse to look backward. I refuse to compare backward. I'm going to find those that are really going after it and seeing success and fruit. And I'm going to follow after them. Even if they're not even alive anymore, I don't care. I'm, I personally may find, uh, and I do ministers that have gone on to heaven and I'll find them, their messages and their ministries on YouTube and online. I'll follow what they wrote, what they preached. I still watch them today. Ministers that have gone on ahead of me to heaven, but they had successful, impactful, fruitful ministries. And I want to be the same. And I want to put my eyes on what's right, not on what I'm, well, I'm doing better than him. What a waste of time. We're always pressing for greater, always pressing for greater, always pressing for greater. Right? And then let me give you this one. And this will help tomorrow. By the way, if you're just logging on tomorrow, you don't want to miss this because I'm going to show you a, a, a handful of f- books on finance that I've read that have changed my wife and I's financial life in the kingdom of God. And I want to share them with you because it has helped us immensely. And I, when I tell you helped us immensely, I'm take, telling you from being in a place where we were under mounds of debt to a place where God's blessed us so abundantly that we're blessing many others and have far more than enough. And God's taken us to a place of insane increase. And it's because of the wisdom that God has imparted to us and our obedience to his word. So I want to show you a a grouping of books tomorrow. That's what's going to be on the broadcast. I'm going to show you a grouping of, of books on finances that have shaken our lives to another level that have literally taken us to a place of far more than enough which is where God wants his children blessed and able to be a blessing. So don't miss tomorrow morning, 10 30 AM books on finance that changed our financial level multiple times. Hallelujah. Praise God, Brian. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Let me give you the final one is people. There's many people who don't move forward in their Christian life because they have wrong financial priorities, wrong financial priorities. Put it in the comments. Number five, they have wrong financial priorities. What do I mean by that? There's some people that never move forward in life because they refuse 
to be givers the way the Bible calls believers to be givers. And that's only one area. That's only one area. They refuse to be givers. And so they've got no harvests coming back. And if you've got no harvests or improper harvests coming back, you say, what's an improper harvest? Well, God knows. Let me, let me break it down to you like this. Paul taught that you could determine in your heart how much you'd like to give. But as I also know that the Holy Spirit has a plan for my future, my wife and I, we don't give things to the Lord without praying and asking him, Lord, what do you want us to give? What do you want us to sow? Because Paul was very clear. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. The same measure you give is the, is the measure that it's given back to you. So I don't ever, number one, I don't ever want to do something that doesn't take any faith. That, that doesn't please God. And I also don't want to do something that's insignificant. I want to do something that takes faith that is significant, but something also that I'm led by the spirit to do. And so some people, they give improper seeds because number one, they don't consult the Lord and they don't do things that take faith. It's an improper seed. It'll bring a harvest, but let me tell you, it'll bring an improper harvest. It'll bring something that's too small for what God's called you to do next. I don't want to be in that place. The other thing people do is that they fail to use wisdom with their finances. They fail to use wisdom with their finances. People are spending all their money away. And the Bible says that's a fool. The Bible says a fool spends all that he has. That's in the book of Proverbs. A fool spends all that he has. And so if you're a spendthrift and God's calling you to do something, but all your money's always going out the door, you've got nothing to do what he's called you to do. You don't have the, the resources necessary. There's people God has spoken them to do things, but they're always spending their money on other stuff. That's, that's unnecessary, flippant, flippant. And they're just flipping with their finances. And so they've got nothing left over. That's foolish, the Bible says. Absolutely foolish. And so, number one, uh, they don't give the way they're supposed to. Number two, they don't use wisdom the way they're supposed to. The Bible says there's some people that it's like they're putting their money in a bag with holes because they don't honor God. They don't honor God. The other thing is, if you don't prioritize the thing that God um, has called you to do, you know, how funny is it that people in the world that aren't even Christians understand this principle, but it's like Christians don't understand this principle. That always blows my mind. There's unbelievers who get this and there's believers who don't get this. That if I'm an entrepreneur, if I'm starting a business, I actually want to reinvest my profits back into my business to continue to scale it and build it and take it to the next level. It's funny that unbelievers understand that Christians don't get it. They're like, yeah, I'm just, and now I'm, I'm going to, I've been, for, for example, let me say this. I've been to pastors churches before, and I won't name any names, but I want to give you an example. The pastor is driving an Escalade, which I have zero problems with. I don't care how blessed you are. I drive an Escalade. I don't have any issues with driving an Escalade as a preacher, but when I go into your church, and your church building sanctuary has indoor outdoor carpeting like you'd put on somebody's porch on the back of their house and everything's torn up in the church and everything looks shabby in the church and the best is not for God's house. Then I have a problem with you driving an Escalade and leaving the house of God in ruins. The house of God is a disgrace. It looks like crap. So you, good for you. You're driving around in a pair of Versace shoes in your Escalade, but the house of God that you run as the man of God looks like crap. You know why? Because you have put yourself and your desires over the house of God. You've put yourself, and I'm not talking to you, obviously, that are watching. I'm talking about what that pastor did. Put himself and his desires over the house of God. So I've got no, I've got no problem with Christians being blessed, with Christians being prosperous and having more than enough. I, I've got no problem with that. I've got no problem with abundance. You should be in abundance. You should have far more than enough. But let me tell you something. 
It shouldn't be at the expense of God's house or his purpose on your life or your calling. Let me read to you Haggai chapter one. And this, this is, this is, this will shake you out of that mindset that I just described that that pastor had. You got a Rolex watch on? Good. I want you to be blessed with a Rolex watch, but not at the expense of your church falling apart. Paints chipped off the walls inside the church. The kid's room looks like a, you know, like a place that somebody would take a hostage. The sanctuary's got indoor, outdoor carpeting. You got stuff all, I mean, it's just junk. You've got microphones from Radio Shack and a soundboard that's 50 years old, but you're driving an Escalade with a Rolex on. Good for you. You've really done a great job prioritizing the thing God called you to do. It's junk and it's displeasing to God. It's why they don't advance is they've put themselves over the call of of God in the house of God. Listen, let me read you Haggai uh, chapter one, verses three through 11. Listen to how God is ticked off by this. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Think about what you're doing. God said, you've sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but nobody's warm. And he who earns wages does so, as I referenced before, to put them into a bag with holes. Why? Here's why. Thus says the Lord, verse seven, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins, in ruins. We're in Haggai chapter one, Pam, verses three through 11. Haggai chapter one, verses three through 11. You've let my house lie in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. This, listen, here's a scriptural principle that most people never get the best for me and the leftovers for God. The best for me and the, left, the leftovers for God. Therefore, verse 10, the heavens above you have withheld the dew and the earth has withheld its produce. Verse 11, and I have called for a drought on the land and the hills on the grain and the new wine, the oil on the ground brings forth on man and beast and on all their labors. Why? Because what God is saying is God is saying this, you've left my vision, my house, my purpose in ruins while you've put yourself first. You've built your homes. Your homes are beautiful. You have paneled houses, gorgeous homes. You you drive nice. That's Haggai chapter one, verses three through 11. Haggai chapter one verses. Somebody please put it in the comments so that people are asking, you'll see it, Facebook and YouTube, Haggai chapter one, verses three through 11. God is irritated because he said, you've put yourself first over me and my house. You have nice things. You have nice homes. You got nice possessions and you've left my house to lie in ruins. That's why you're not blessed. That's why you, it feels like you're putting your money in a bag with holes. That's why it feels like there's no nothing coming back and you're not warm and you can't be filled and you don't have a harvest. That's why. And you know, that pastor that I'm I'm talking to you about right now, he's not even in the ministry anymore. He doesn't even have a church anymore. No surprise to me. It's not a surprise to me at all. He didn't honor God's house. He did not honor God's house. Got everything nice for himself. Let me take you to one more before, before I, before I show you the end Malachi chapter three. And this is, this is something different now. Look at this. This is a uh, mind blowing, mind blowing. Actually, let me go back to, to Malachi chapter two. Actually, I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's go to all the chapters. Malachi chapter one. L- listen to this. 
This is mind-blowing. And God was irritated with this. Same issue with Haggai 1. We see it again in Malachi 1. You ready? Malachi, again, put it in the comments for everybody that's going to ask. Malachi 1, verses 6 and on. Listen to this. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I'm your father, where's my honor? And if I'm a master, where's my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you. O priests who despise my name. By how do they say, how have we despised your name? Here's how. By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. What does that mean? When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts? Right? So, so what's he saying? What, what is God irritated with here in Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 through, through uh, 10? or six through nine, Malachi one, six through nine. Why is God irritated once again? Because they're taking the best of everything for them and giving the leftovers to God. It's the best of everything to them and the leftovers to God. Best of everything to them and the leftovers to God. Sad. And God's irritated by that. The same way he's irritated by the people in Haggai one, you've got paneled homes, you've got nice possessions and you've left my house in ruins. Many times people never move forward in their calling and in their purpose because they have wrong financial priorities. They put themselves over God. They put themselves over their call. They put themselves over their purpose in life. And then they wonder, I wonder why God's not blessing what I'm called to do. Cause you, you've made it all about you and not about what he's called you to do. And I, I made up in my mind, you know, even those that work with me, I'm not going to be blessed while they walk around not blessed. I'm not going to walk around and increase in abundance while they, while they don't have it. If I'm going to be blessed, I want even the people that work with me to be blessed. They're part of this team. They're part of what God's building. They're part of the house of God that we're building. I, I like what Bishop David Oyedepo prayed in Nigeria. Lord, if you won't bless my people, don't bless me. If you won't bless my people, don't bless me. If you won't bless my people, don't bless me. Amen. That's how I feel. God, bless my people. Bless those that are connected to me. Don't just bless me. Bless them. Amen. And that's the key. And so God, it's not that God doesn't want you to move forward. It's not that, that God doesn't have a plan for every believer to move forward. Again, I, before I pray, let me say what I said at the beginning. Our portion, our inheritance is to be like the, our path to be like the light of dawn that gets brighter and brighter until full day, full day. The noonday sun that's straight up overhead, shining down hot and bright. That should be our path from the moment that the sun creeps over the horizon at the dawn to the midday sun that's bright, shining, ever brighter, ever brighter, ever brighter. That's our story in Jesus name. And so you're called to increase. You're called to move forward, but don't allow sin to stop you and don't allow, uh, neglecting hearing or discovering God's plan to stop you. Don't allow fear and unbelief to stop you. Don't allow improper focus to stop you and don't allow financial wrong financial priorities to stop you. Do what God's called you to do. I'm telling you, there's a phenomenal purpose upon your life, a great anointing from the Holy Ghost to accomplish things in the kingdom. Don't neglect it. Don't let it fall to the wayside. In fact, I'm praying today that God will increase you so mightily that it would blow people's minds around you in Jesus' name. That even those in this world would have to stop and take a look and see, how is that even possible in, in, this, in this current day? How is that even possible? That's my prayer for you and your family. Father, I pray for every person that's watching and especially for those that are connected by the Victory Tribe. I pray, Lord, that you would open doors for them. 
as they're obedient to all these things from your word that we're teaching today, I pray you would open doors for them supernaturally, that you would do what no man can do, that you would do what no business can do, what no government can do, what no culture can do. And I pray that there'd be such a swift increase on their life that it would blow the minds of unbelievers in Jesus' name. Lord, as we step into the final quarter of this year very soon, I ask you that you would put a a quick, I actually ask you that you would expedite our purpose and blessings. Let us get into a place where we're running like we never have before we even get into our new year, where we're believing for divine transformation in 2023, divine transformation by the power of the Holy Ghost in 2023, in Jesus' name. But we're leaving this year with divine possession. We will hold what you said we would hold in our hands in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And so we thank you. We give you praise. We give you glory in Jesus' wonderful name. We thank you. We thank you for all you're doing in our lives and in our ministries and our businesses and our families. Continue to put your hand of blessing upon us. We give you honor today. We thank you today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Men. Amen. I'm giving you a, a challenge today to sow something by faith. I know that when I said that, maybe you've never considered that before. You know, my, my seeds are improper. I've sown improper seeds in the past. Today, I want to give you an opportunity to do what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you to do. And I want to send that challenge out to people that are watching me and listening to partner with this ministry on a daily, on a daily basis, on a month, do it on a daily basis if you want to, on a monthly basis and say, what can I do every month to stand with Ted and Carolyn as they're reaping the harvest? If you go to miracleword.com forward slash partner, you can see all that we're doing and you can fill out the form and stand with us as we're believing God, become part of the victory tribe, become part of the victory tribe and believe God. This generation is going to be changed by the Holy Ghost. We refuse to let our generation go to hell. We refuse to let our generation go to hell. Amen. That's right, Lena. Hallelujah. James, if you go to miracleword.com and click on the give page of the partner page, every possible way to give, we have it there. And you can see it. And I say, thank you. This month of August, we want to send a book to you from Pastor Mark Hankins that is called The Bloodline of a Champion. And Matt, if you pop that up, I want to show them how they can get that. Go to miracleword.com. It's right underneath the one you're on, monthly offer. Yep, right underneath the one you're on. That's it. The Bloodline of a Champion. uh, That's by Pastor Mark Hankins. And it is the power of the blood of Jesus. 350 pages of powerful revelation on the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you want to receive it after you've sown your seed, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. Just claim that offer, fill out the form so we know where to send it and we will get it to you uh, ASAP. On top of that, for those that are sowing largely, thousand dollars or more, you know what we're doing in August, I'm sending you the net study Bible, the full notes edition, uh, which is probably the best tool that I've seen in the last 50 years come out. Uh, and I'm telling you, it'll help you immensely. 60,000 translators notes in that Bible. So thank you to all of you that are standing with us. Thank you for those that are partnering. And, uh, I really love you. I really appreciate you. I can't wait to see you at the partner banquet. Again, time is running out. I think there's only like five, six seats left. And if you haven't RSVP'd yet, let me encourage you October the 28th and the 29th, the victory tribe homecoming weekend. You just passed it. It's VT22. Um, We're going, there it is. We're going to Allentown, Pennsylvania for the Victory Tribe homecoming weekend, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, Central Assembly of God, Friday night, seven o'clock, and then 29th, which is Saturday, the brunch together. Can't wait to see you. Um, I've got so much to tell you, so much to share with you. Thank you for hanging out with me today. Again, tomorrow I'll be back and I'm going to be sharing with you the, the books on finances that have changed my wife and I's level multiple times that have taken us from a place of being in debt to a place of being in extreme abundance. And God has blessed us immensely. And I want to see you blessed. I know these books will help you. And I want, if you, maybe you don't even know about them. I want you to know about them. They'll help you a lot. I love you. I'll be back in the morning. Carolyn will be back tomorrow afternoon at two o'clock. 
and then we start our tent meeting in North Carolina Sunday. We're gonna be in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, uh, at Fountain of Life property with the huge tent. I'm joining my father and mother, and it goes Sunday through Sunday. Sunday through Sunday. Cannot wait. If you wanna be there, all the details are on the website, the address, the times, everything you need. We would love to see you in Revival. Then we're headed to Montana uh, with Pastor Jordan Work. Cannot wait to get up there. It's gonna be a great weekend. I love you guys. Have a great and a powerful day, and I'll talk to you again very soon. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.